Welcome to the HS Health Tech Podcast, bringing you the latest in health and technology through interviews with disruptive startups and leaders. Subscribers get a new episode every Thursday at 6pm, and I'm your host, James Summary. Hey everybody, this week we are talking about blue light technology. So you know the technology that's coming out of your phones and laptops and tablets, that blue light that you hear is so bad all the time in the news. We're going to talk about that, so we're going to debunk things like circadian rhythms and sleep cycles being interrupted and melatonin, as well as talking about kind of chronic exposure that I guess we don't even know as a population yet what this is going to do to us. And my guest this week is Mr. Justin Barrett, who is the CEO of health tech company Healthy, and they're dedicated to improving eye health in this digital world. Previously, Justin was EIR, so Entrepreneur in Residence, at a Fortune 100 company called Amtrust, and he's since become a co-inventor on Healthy's patent portfolio of light filtration technology for digital devices. They do accessory products, they do integrated display technologies, AR, VR, all these different things. So Justin was a semi-finalist for Ernst & Young's Entrepreneur of the Year. Healthy's been ranked number five on the observer list of hottest 20 health startups in 2019. So we really do have a great guest for you this week. And so now, based in Minneapolis in Minnesota, Justin and all of that Healthy team are developing technologies and standards actually in conjunction with their advisory board, regulators, and they're staying on top of the academia as well. And so they're constantly bringing in ophthalmologists and optometrists to really stay on top of the science in order to make these technologies the best that they can possibly be. And just a quick announcement from me, for those of you that are in London next week, I'm hosting the first of a series of events that I'm doing called HS Health Tech Talks, where we're talking unplugged. So we're talking real life, real stories, and some epic networking as well for people in the health tech space that want to maybe crack into the health tech space, that might be clinicians, that might be technologists, anybody and everybody that's interested in the space can come down. So head over to the description of this podcast to click on the link and book a ticket if you're in London. Enjoy the episode, guys. Great. So Justin, welcome to the HS Health Tech Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Whereabouts are you speaking to us from today, Justin? So I'm from uh, Minneapolis. I'm, I'm calling from, from Minneapolis, Minnesota in the U.S. Oh, very nice. Are you at home or are you at work? Uh, I'm at work. I'm at work. So uh, Healthy is in a suburb just outside of Minneapolis in Eden Prairie. So you know, we're based there. We do primary operations here. And then um, so all of our product or technology comes out of the U.S. And then uh, we also work throughout Asia. So, oh, but cool. I'm here. Is there, like, is there like a health tech hub or anything where you, where you are? Or is yeah, it like a tech hub? Absolutely. Or? Absolutely. A health, health tech uh, zone. We have uh, United Healthcare is here, you know, Medtronic. So uh, just the Midwest in the U.S. is uh, well known for its uh, healthcare. Uh, and uh, we're right around some of those companies here in Minnesota. Oh, very nice. Good stuff. So, Justin, for the benefit of our listeners, obviously, I've had a quick call with you before, so I know a little bit about your awesome background. But for the benefit of those guys, why don't you tell us your story? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, I'm currently uh, CEO and founder of a company called Healthy. We uh, work with electronic manufacturers and the healthcare community to create healthier devices. And so, um, as Many of your listeners probably know the devices are putting out a very intense light energy uh, called blue light. And there's this blue light uh, is impacting the human system. And so we work with uh, electronic manufacturers, standards organizations, and leaders within the eye and healthcare community to, uh, to change that. And, um, and uh, we've been doing this since 2014. Um, that's when I started the company. Uh, prior to that, I've had three other companies. Um, all generally in the health and wellness space. Immediately before Healthy, I was an entrepreneur in residence and uh, sort of came across this research around how blue light is impacting people and, and knew that it was the right time to, to start making some changes. And so um, I met a doctor in 2014 that was experimenting with this technology at the time to uh, selectively filter the blue light spectrum and it was in use for uh, lenses for glasses and eyewear and we ended up forming a strategic 
relationship with that uh, partner uh, within the U.S. And then uh, over you know, the last you know, five years, have taken it through a series of you know, intellectual property adjustments, filings, um, you know, a whole series of technology investments to figure out the best way to build that into computer displays. And uh, we are now adjusting how light is emitted from computers and devices to make it healthier for the body. And so my track to healthy has been one that uh, is in the health and wellness space generally. Um, and my three other companies, uh, the first was uh, an organic cotton clothing company the parallel oh, very different to what you're doing now. Very, very different, very different. And at the same, there's, there's uh, some similarities here, which is, you know, you have a, an industry and um, you look at uh, the clothing industry, for example, and how, uh, you know, what we were doing is essentially uh, transitioning the cotton to organic cotton and then looking at uh, bamboo as another uh, substrate that can be used within the apparel. And so we were selling into Whole Foods, uh, store locations to you know Nordstrom in the U.S. Mm. Um, I did that for uh, four or five years. Uh, I ended up selling my equity stake to my co-founder at the time, and then uh, started another uh, business where we were essentially getting uh, using friend networks to uh, make recommendations for uh, healthcare providers. And uh, we ended up getting uh, sued and had to shut the business down. Uh, wow. So you know you. It's, it's, it's so amazing as you're, as you're going through this track of being an entrepreneur, and I know, you know many of your listeners are, it's, there's, there's all this pain that comes through. And if you can figure out a way to, to take that uh, and, and put it back into what you're doing and, and keep that enthusiasm, it's the nuggets for success. And, and I think I've, uh, I've really tried to do that and, and, and put everything that I've learned for the last you know, 10 years as an entrepreneur into, into healthy and have begun to see the benefits of that. So um, it's been quite a, quite a track um, and uh, really exciting with where we're at today uh, in making change in a very large industry. That's awesome. Whereabouts were you in EIR? Yeah, I was in EIR at, uh, so it's a Fortune 100 called Amtrust. Uh, so financial services, a company uh, that was interested in uh, looking at making some headway into the uh, health insurance space. Yeah. And so helping them to, to think through how to be working with health payers, health insurance providers. And um, I did that for roughly two years. And so um, from, from that, you know, I've actually been able to uh, build into healthy's business model uh, attract with health payers and so uh we can talk about that a little bit but uh, consumer electronics is going to be going to be changing very quickly around the space of health and safety and health payers are going to start getting actively involved with mm. solutions that are going to make it better for people to be looking at devices you know 10 plus hours per day I definitely want to touch on the health stuff later on and, and all about that technology. But yeah. first, I just want to ask you about the background. I mean, it, it's quite a diverse background, isn't it? From organic cotton to sort of a network type business. And obviously, the, as you say, the, the pain of, of getting sued and having to shut that business down and then obviously going to EIR and then doing another company. I mean, it's, it's an incredible journey. And I mean, it's impressive to pick yourself up from obviously that second company shutting down. What were your kind of major learning points from going through that entire process and then obviously coming out the other end as again, a successful entrepreneur? Well, I think, um, I think the first, the first thing is uh, setting yourself up for success from the beginning uh, seeing the end state is incredibly important. You have to think, think well forward about where you need to be and what sort of infrastructure you need to surround yourself with. So as a you know, founder and CEO, it, it takes an incredible trusted network uh, for you to operate around intricacies of you know, peep managing people, uh, new customer development, you know, how to be thinking about scaling an organization effectively, fundraising, yeah. You have so many different moving parts and you need to have a you know, trusted mentorship network or 
a group around you in an inner circle that you can bounce stuff off of. And that's, I think, you know, one of the, for me has been um, essential in what we're doing at healthy. And so, um, you know, I have uh, in, in our space, right. We're working with display materials um, we, where we have had the greatest success is pulling in industry experts to come offer us guidance. And so we have brought in a, a group uh, of 3M advisors into our business um, that has changed dramatically how, you know, we're structuring our business and making certain decisions. And so I would just, you know, urge those who are listening in, in their spaces to um, be vulnerable about you know, potential gaps that they have and be thinking about how to build in an, an advisory network to help with certain decision-making, you know? Um, yeah, you know, I, comp- I completely agree. I think it is, so, it's such an important thing to have mentors that you trust, that, that understand you, that you have a relationship with beyond, you know, just the business relationship. I mean, so the other day, actually, I got in touch with my mentor because I, as you know, I write, I write for Forbes on health tech. That's one of the things that I do as a contributor mm-hmm. and somebody had kind of misread I think what I put or at least inferred quite a lot as to what I meant the article was about could the could the NHS say uh, sell its data for 12 billion it was quite a, a, a headline that would that would generate quite a visceral response in the UK and it was sort of intentionally clickbaity I guess but the sentiment certainly was that it not should be, it should not be profiting other other people's data. Anyway, this person read it in that way mm. and got probably my first bit of hate mail that I've ever received via my via my mm-hmm. email. And yeah. sort of, I had a visceral response to it. But as you say, I'd surrounded myself with people like this mentor and a few other people. Actually, I sent it to those people, knowing full well that whatever I did immediately would have been the wrong thing to do and based on emotion. And yeah, as you, as you say, it, it just, it's so good having that network of people that, that understand you and have been through it all before, you know, they, yeah. the, the, both people yeah. that I sent that to sent, sent an email back straight away, just being like, yeah, we, you know, when I remember this, the first time it happened to me and like all these different things. So, oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, Every, everyone's been through it before, right? No doubt. And then just, you know, from a business standpoint, um, it, you know, especially as a, as a, a startup it can make all the sense in the world to have a sort of advisory group that potentially can, can be actively involved in the business. And, you know, if you have an option pool, for example, you, you can keep the, the cash burn low and utilize options to incentivize advisors yeah. maybe in a later stage in their career where, where cash isn't as essential. And so it, it can make a lot of sense. And I, you know, we wouldn't be where we're, we are today without having utilized options in a really smart way up front in the business. Um, just to keep that cash burn low and be smart about equity. And you know, not only that, but when people have this equity incentive, they feel like they're part of something. And I think you can yeah. look at Maslow's hierarchy, right? People, people want to be recognized for who they are, the skills <laughs> yeah. that they, they bring to the table, and then they want to feel like they're part of something, right? And so I think like as you think about um, creating a culture and motivating people, you, know, you can really use that through equity and you know and then that just lines right up with as a startup what you need to do with with uh, keeping your keeping your cash on hand i totally agree yeah really really important so let's talk about healthy then so i'm really interested in how you went from an idea to something tangible in reality because obviously you, you mentioned that you met a doctor and you were kind of studying the issue i guess of you know blue lights and chronic exposure and all these different things that, that could be the case and, and you wanted to form a solution so how did you go from from thinking about that as a as a concept to then creating what it is or, or maybe talk to me about creating the mvp how did you get there yeah yeah great question i mean it's like you you have a giant mountain in front of you and you your <laughs> lights can go <laughs> a certain distance right out and you're so you kind of like you're driving in the dark a little bit and then you know you kind of follow the follow the string and, and i think that um if I, I mean if i had to go back if i had to go back <laughs> and know how difficult it would have been honestly james i don't know you know i don't know if i would have gone there so that but uh yeah i mean it's just it's just hard it's just so it's so hard but 
you know, if you if you stay in it, and I know there's that quote from uh, Steve Jobs. It's, it's basically just you know most people you got to have that passion because you're gonna hit be hit with all these things, and it, and you have to be willing to go through it. And so you what know, is one, it of the, one of the things that we look for in people when we look to either bring people into one of our programs or whether we're looking to invest. It's in health. It's that motivation, right? So we're yeah. we're obsessed with finding people that have got this deep motivation to actually yeah. solve the problem. Because as you say, it is going to be such yeah. hard work that we just need people that are going to wake up in the morning and run through a brick wall every single day to solve the problem. And so that's why yeah. like patient stories are so strong and, you know, personal mm-hmm. experience or a family member that's been through, you know, all of that stuff is so important because it just gives people this like incredible hunger and drive to combat, as you say, that hard work that when you look back, you're like, Oh my goodness, would, would I actually do this again? <laughs> <laughs> this is ludicrous yeah it's uh you know you're the kool-aid man you gotta be that you have to just plow through the wall yeah. and, you know i think like for me the motivation has been um what is how can i make the biggest impact on human health hmm. and as i as i look at this uh, people are on devices for now more time than they are sleeping and it's increasing uh we are addicted to screens we are taking in an incredible amount of high energy light off of these devices and it's impacting human health in a way that people don't truly understand today and by the time that we will fully understand it it will be in many cases too late it's we know today that blue light impacts the circadian system but if you take a look at the real research what you see is that it's impacting the human body well beyond sleep impacts. And you're talking about children's eyes, for example, that let in a significantly amount more blue light than do adult eyes. Mm -hmm. And so for kids now that are just glued to these screens for, you know, 10, 20, 15 hours per day, uh, you're talking about a health impact that's, you know, one of the largest that people don't really talk about. And so uh, for me, that was a primary motivation uh, to, to look at an industry that is impacting a huge number of people and then figuring out how to do it. And so, yeah, it's a, it, it has been a massive task. And so, but where we started uh, for me, where I started was with one doctor. And so this, uh, this, this doctor also in the Twin Cities in, in uh, Minnesota uh, had begun looking at how uh, this issue is impacting more than just sleep, how it's, and he's actually looking at how blue light impacts the musculoskeletal system, oh, wow. uh, balance, for example, uh, the whole human body. And so um, where we original, where we originated was a technology that was in a uh, eyewear and, and used by the military back to the 1970s um, ended up, forming a strategic partnership with, uh, you know, this, this company on the, on the East coast in the U S and it was just step by step uh, of moving the company along. So my trigger to move from where I was in 2013 as an entrepreneur in residence was, I mean, I would point at quite a bit of research, but this, the, the one was Bayer Cohen, um, and another is bullet has a dark side, which was a Harvard piece that was put out 2015 roughly. And that's where you can really begin to see the massive scale that we're talking about from a health standpoint and what has motivated me to quit what I was doing and move fully into this. And so 2014, I uh, invested in the company to get it started. I self-funded for two roughly two years as we were building up a proof of concept wow and that that proof of concept was and it was it was just me and you know my co-founder at the time uh we had some contractors that we would pull in but it it was really just to get you a proof of concept it was just a you know filter that you could put on top of a of a screen um and it was it was shit right i mean it was just It, it, it get, got the job done at least so that and then the, the, the getting the job done for us was getting additional doctors on board to support the company and the concept. Yeah. Because I knew that as we're 
going to be going to the electronic manufacturers. We're going to need to have backing from the healthcare community in full. And so the, yeah, cause the- that's going to make or break you, isn't it? As soon yeah. as it hits the market, you need that medical community saying this is the best thing ever. Otherwise without that credibility, yeah, it could be curtains. Exactly right. Exactly right. And so gap in this space has been, okay, there's no, you got, there's a credibility issue. Um, there's no standards, right? Um, there has been no real technology solution to solve for this. It's actually very difficult to adjust the blue light spectrum without impacting the whole color from the display. Electronic manufacturers aren't going to sacrifice, you know, beautiful, vivid uh, color performance. So mm. you have to look at how to tackle each of these pain points. And the first one though is what you mentioned, which is um, having the credibility and the, and the backing from leaders within healthcare. And so that's what we had tackled and that, and that took, you know, four, three, four years to get to a point that was meaningful. So with that proof of concept, uh, went to a, a group called the Cedars Aspens, which is a group of, uh, they're ophthalmologists that are very uh, influential within eye care. And uh, one by one inside of the Cedars Aspens group of, of eye doctors, uh, introduced the research, uh, got them behind the research to understand it fully, um, you know, shared the product, um, you know, how this is impacting their patients. And then we gained investment from that group. Uh, oh, nice. Probably, we took in probably 500,000 500, to 800,000, something like that. To, yeah. And then um, they invested again, you know, probably nine months to a year later. It and says was, a lot when, when a group of ophthalmologists is investing in a company to do with retinal health and blue light, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Absolutely. And then, what we did is created a group called the Vision Health Advisory Board, and um, that represents many of these doctors. And then we, you know, they pulled in optometrists around them. And uh, what you have is sort of like a hub and spoke with many of these ophthalmologists and optometrists. So, um, and and the optometrists is really are the people that are seeing this on the front lines as people are coming in for eye exams and they're concerned that their their five year old is in front of a iPad for yeah hours per day, and ju- so, just just from that health perspective, then because I don't think we've actually touched on this yet, but in terms of the problems that are coming from blue light, I mean, treat me as a beginner here. So I'm aware that you know it can obviously do things to for circadian rhythm and lack of sleep and melatonin and and that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm probably slightly beyond the beginner, I guess, but. What are the actual problems that, that this has proven to cause it? Because, I mean, one of the reasons I ask is that whilst those things have been demonstrated, what I'm thinking now is that actually the, the chronic exposure, i.e. exposure over a number of years, we don't, the phones haven't actually been around long enough in the hands of most of the population to really to really know at a population level what problems are actually dealing with here i mean are you, are you are you aware of things that that are cropping up that could be cropping up or things that are definitely problematic now that people have had phones for this and screens for this long no such a good point such a good point james i think you have the we have the knowns and there's there's certain things that can be knowns given the given the technology and how long this technology has been around then we have evidence that's indicating potential knowns um, yeah. and then we have unknowns. And so I think what, what we're recognizing is that um, there needs to be, there needs to be more research done in this space and it's, just, it's really important. And so we have uh, partnered with Salus University, which is a uh, well-recognized group within optometry in the U S to study this issue in much more detail where we are involving uh, leaders within the electronics industry to that research and it's going to be guiding future industry standards. So what you have to date is as you as you mentioned sleep and the issues related to melatonin impact the circadian system is well recognized if we're using devices within two hours before bedtime as we all are staring at our iPhone in bed, right? It's, it's going to be throwing off our system, telling our body that it's daytime at mm. night. So this is ca- sort of category one. 
The next is there's a new term that's been created for our screen obsession called digital eye strain. And these are the, gonna be the surface symptoms that you recognize, like dry eye, you know, my eyes are itchy, tired, mm. from constantly using devices. And you know, a part of this has to do with our eyes not refreshing as often as we're looking at devices. And then you would tag blue light into this as a very intense part of the spectrum that's gonna be irritating the eyes as well. So the category that is where we have guiding research, which requires additional, is going to be in the long-term retinal health impacts. And if you look specifically at children's eyes, you know this is the one that is probably of most concern, given that the natural filter is not there compared to an adult for the high energy blue light spectrum. So you have children's eyes will be letting in roughly 30% more of the high energy spectrum compared to adults eyes. Mm. And so as you look at where the industry standards are going to be going, it's likely in and around the protection that isn't there for children and needing to integrate that level of coverage into a display uh, emitted from a device. So describe your product then to me, because obviously you've explained the problem extremely well there and obviously all the good, the growing amounts of evidence around this. So what does your product do in terms of acting as a solution to, to these problems? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if, um, if you've got a, if you have a phone today, uh, uh, like an iPhone, uh, you can turn on a software setting, uh, for example, called Night Shift. Yeah. Uh, there's there's different uh, 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 solutions like Flux, uh, and for your computer, what what you notice with these is that um, the screen will turn yellow or amber. Yeah. Essentially, what's happening is it's like a, a sledgehammer to the color spectrum. So it's taking down the blue spectrum, but also taking down the rest of the color, and so. Um, mm. And the reason is, is it, it's uh, very difficult to pinpoint narrow parts of the light spectrum technically without adjusting the rest of the color. Mm. And so this has been the primary reason that the display industry has been slow at adopting solutions to filter out effectively blue light. Because they don't um, want their displays to look <clears throat> yellow and they don't want their photos to come up looking any worse, et cetera. Yeah. It's a, you can see this in the marketing, right? This color performance is top on the list in terms of things that are going to be marketed and so oh, interesting okay. displays. And so, um, so that has been the primary issue, but if you, I can say universally, the, all of the computer manufacturers today are, aware of this issue and they are changing and my estimation would be within three years of today the majority of devices sold will be if not all most of them will be lower blue light emitting devices okay so what uh what ends up happening uh what you what you need then is a solution that is able to essentially remove surgically a portion of the light spectrum emitted from LEDs or OLED lights, but maintain color. And so that's what our technology and intellectual property set does for phones, tablets, computers, virtual reality headsets, augmented reality. So um, the way that that works is we have a organic compound that in uh, a, a dye set, which goes back directly to the LED. And in some cases it's, a, a film within the display stack that's taking out surgically that portion of the spectrum, but then we color balance through sort of a proprietary approach the rest of the of the color within the display. So our our technical solution is one that um, is about managing color versus managing blue light. <laughs> we we manage color effectively, and that includes the uh, reduction of high energy visible blue. Wow. That does sound really cool, and as uh, you can tell, it's you know not as a not as crude a measure as you know sticking a yellow piece of paper in front or essentially yeah. what the what the the night modes are doing, right? So you're essentially managing to strip away the most dangerous, I guess, what wavelengths of light whilst still 
maintaining how good it looks with with the colors i mean that's it's interesting how you need to solve the problem in that way to fit the market isn't it because you know it's easy to filter the blue light you just stick a yellow piece of paper in front but actually to to solve the problem in such a way that still maintains a healthy business model it needs to be as you say focused on actually delivering a high value screen at the same time as filtering out that light which is quite interesting yeah yeah i think you know we, we don't believe that people should have to compromise for health and safety. And so, and, and, and I think the display manufacturers aren't going to allow for trade-off in color. And yeah. it, just in some of, some of our work, we're, you know, we've seen something like you know, 40% adoption of some of these software solutions. And so we just believe that, you know, that number needs to be closer to mm. hundred. So the only way to do that is just by making it automatic. And just this is how devices are going to get manufactured in the future versus having some software setting that you have to adjust. Interesting. And how, I mean, I say how, you might not actually do this, but I was going to say, how do you measure the, or what metric do you use to, to sort of gauge the fact that this is actually better for people and their health than normal screens i mean are you able to de- to demonstrate better sleep differences in melatonin you know any of those things have you man- have you have you managed to do that have you tried to do that is that something that you're interested in oh yeah yeah uh, we so there's been so for, uh, first of all we look at this uh we have a factor called a uh, retina protection factor which is it's the oh, all right there you go <laughs> right? yeah, that yeah. sounds exactly what i was talking about <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so um so the techno- technology is called iSafe, and so you'll, you're going to you'll see these iSafe displays uh, coming to market. Um, it, iSafe has a, a level of retina protection factor that corresponds to the percentage of blue light which is being filtered. Right. So um, we have uh, we've done now uh, the first uh, university research uh, that has found direct connections between RPF 30 or 30 percent reduction, which interestingly is the same amount of the variance between a child's eye filtration uh, yeah, yeah. and uh, health benefits. So by filtering out at least 30% of uh, the light coming off of your average display, uh, there's direct connections that are made to uh, positive impacts, the ability to concentrate, um, the, the ability to make um, effective decisions, mm. uh, to influence the sleep. And so, so, so with those, yeah, so now you're, you're getting all the employers listening very intently. If you're talking yeah. about concentration and ability to um, sleep better and all these different things, right? There are, there are direct worker productivity impacts related to lower levels of blue light and yeah. um, ROI for the enterprise uh-huh. market. And so I think you, what you're going to see is that um, those devices, which are made specifically for enterprise are going to have in the future lower levels of blue light and that's going to lead to impacts for enterprise for sure interesting so i saw that you guys are working with dell aren't you so your technology is integrated into their monitors and their their screen technology right yep yeah, yeah. so i guess i mean i've just mentioned in you know employers there and obviously dell as well what's your business model are you going are you going in at the sort of the dell level and just saying to those guys build it into your screens or do you also have a model to go into you know or go to employers and just say we can do something to all of the screens in your building how do you guys do it yeah um so i think so two things uh two things here so um the first just from our from our product standpoint so we work with Zag is, is the world's largest screen protection company. Uh, they make a product called Invisible Shield, which is sold throughout Europe, uh, US. I think they've got 56% market share of screen protection products. So they'll go as an external filter on top of your phone, your tablet, your computer screen. And so in this case, iSafe is built inside of, of those products. And so you can get it as an external filter, um, but also uh, we work with the display manufacturers to integrate the technology inside of their displays. And so this would be the case for uh, Dell, for example, where there's an adjusted um, solution inside of the uh, Dell display um, that allows them to be iSafe. And so Dell has the uh, XPS Alienware and G-Series products to date, which is a, sort of the premium line. That, mm. uh, that has the iSafe solution. But sort of just to explain how 
you know, sort of how this work, how this all pit, fits together. Yeah. We just talked about the health issues and, and ultimately how this gets into, you know, a product, but there's, there's sort of a series of events. And so you've got, you know, the research, which for us is most important and why we're investing there. Mm. And that research ultimately is going to the development of new standards. And so, and th these standards are critically important because it's this space in blue light has been like the wild west to date. And you have um, a lot of ambiguity, um, a lot of unknowns. And so we're making investments um, with uh, the healthcare groups that I mentioned earlier to provide clarity to the manufacturers around, you know, first of all, what is the blue light spectrum? How do I need to be thinking about reduction, you know, and then how do I, how do I team that with color to have to put out a solution that's really built for screen time viewing of 12 hours per day mm. that, that those guidelines then are dictating the technical design decisions for manufacturers like Dell and their supply chain. And so we, our technology enables the supply chain to achieve the standard which has been dictated by the research and the standards. So that's the whole, the whole piece. And then our business model works by selling the technology into the supply chain. So we capture revenue off of our material sales. Oh, I and see. We license the iSafe brand back to the manufacturers. Yeah. Use against the iSafe standards, which we have developed which are helping to provide guidance to the industry. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? How you're one of these companies that's so focused on research. I've actually had quite a few of these on, on the podcast recently that you're so keen to solve the problem. And, and you know, it's, it all started with you with research, even though it was research, yeah. you just did yourself just looking at the problem. Right. And it's that kind of, tying yourself to the problem which keeps you anchored in that research because at the end of the day you still want to be putting out products that are making a difference not just selling because otherwise it just tanks yeah. the whole industry as well there's obviously a good business reason behind that as well no, and no so it's 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 just yeah it's good that you're part of the, the this growing number of companies that i'm certainly speaking to that keep themselves anchored in that research and again there's good business reasons for that as well right that you're associated with the standards you get to work with the future regulators and all these different things but at the same time it just means that the standards are there they are maintained and because you're kind of pioneering there's no way that the regulators can get ahead of you so you might as well work with them i guess so yeah it, it just um it, it it just feels good to me that that's a growing sort of sentiment from for quite a lot of companies in the health tech space. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, uh, there's a, there's a whole le legitimacy here and you know, it, it uh, just reminds you of the, the real need that you're solving yeah. in the market as well. Do you guys work with governments at all? Because I can imagine that from a public health perspective, there's a lot of benefits to be seen here and actually a lot of things to be understood by governments to see what they should do next, especially, you know, if you consider regulators as part of that conversation as well. A very timely question, James, and uh, actually big news on, on this front. And <laughs> Just for our listeners, that was not planted <laughs> either. Just <laughs> I know, right. That was not, not a planning question. Uh, and your listeners are going to be some of the first to hear about this news, which is going to uh, become public. Um, there's going to be quite a bit coming out um, on the 10th, which is California and the U.S. has just passed the uh, state blue light resolution. Um, it, you can actually look this up just now, um, SCR 73. And so this uh, state resolution, which was unanimously passed by the California Senate and Assembly, identifies just the scope of issue that I mentioned earlier and really amazing. Um, I think if we've been working with um, California lobbyists and, um, and, and regulators on this for the last two years. And so it's just uh, exciting that it's, it's uh, now coming to fruition. And if you think, if you look at, at the parallel that, that we would make is uh, prop 65, um, within the 
U.S., the state of California has essentially identified a, a you know, very serious health issue and um, has, has identified that products you know, sold within the state of California uh, cannot contain uh, certain substances. And obviously that changes an entire industry because wow. you're not going to carve out the state of California. You're going to make products that are available to the entire market and with California being you know, the eighth largest country, yeah. uh, um, a gigantic market, which is a, a thought leader, especially in the health and wellness space. And so, um, you know, th this, is, this is going to be a very meaningful event that is going to be a change agent. And uh, we're going to be continue to work with the state of California and it's going to lead to other states and other countries to be making moves around this space. Um, I, I do expect um, blue light levels to be fully regulated at a point in time. Yeah, I, it certainly feels that way, it. the way that you're talking about it. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. I just I encourage people to look at some of the language even inside of California's resolution, but you'll see no mixed words. Now, this is a very serious health issue. Um, and, you know, lawmakers are recognizing this. Yeah. You guys, you mentioned that you did your kind of initial money raise when you put money in and then you did, you think you said 500 or 800,000 after that. Whereabouts are you now in your kind of raise journey and the size of your company and employees and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. We raised uh, six and a half million to date. You know, yeah. We've got 40 employees roughly. Um, we cash flow positive and so you know it's it's been it's been a grind to get to that point <laughs> <laughs> no no i'll tell you what in this post-truth uh, era being a profitable <laughs> company is quite something <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah no i yeah yeah no no doubt it's it's uh so um we 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 may go about doing a strategic financing on top of where we are today and where that would go is towards additional investments in the government, as, as you just mentioned. Oh, interesting, yeah. Those would be strategic moves. And then also on the health payer side, as we look at the building in uh, payer coverage for electronic devices. Yeah. Those are, there'd be a potential strategic round and, um, and, and that may happen within the next year or so. Interesting. Forgive my naivety here, but how do insurers fit into your yeah. Yeah. business model and you know users payers buyers all that kind of thing yeah yeah great question and so like go back to the you know your uh, point on enterprise and you know the impact that this has on you know very large yeah. user groups right and so you know this is this is a, a health issue that which is impacting a lot of people and so obviously you know that is raising interest from a number of health payers and so um there's a couple of implications here the first is that you could see uh, low blue light solutions built within plans, and you are seeing that actually today. So, like um, the the major health health payers, United Healthcare, for example, um, includes blue light filtering glasses in their coverage. So, mm. you know, you can get significant discount on um, those products, and we would see that extending itself into devices which are have less blue light emitted from them. Um, IMED is the second largest vision insurance provider uh, in the U.S., and they're going to be the first to cover iSafe. Nice. What that means for consumers is uh, you'll be able to get discounts on uh, low blue light emitted products from Dell, for example, from Zag, and from other uh, electronic manufacturers that we work with. So um, that's that's where you see it going, and the implication is you know, certainly one from a human health, and then for consumers and employers, it's you know about um, and being able to get those solutions at a, at a good discount. Awesome. And just for my own interest here, what competitors have you got in and around you? I mean, is not that you have to name them or anything, but I mean, is this, is this a space where it's fertile ground or, you know, it's about to get regulated at the moment. Anybody could start something in this space. Is it one of those things where lots of things are popping up or is it, all quite tied to the academia and only certain things are spinning out. Well, how, how does that competitor landscape look? Yeah, I think I, you have a sort of different classes of competitors. Uh, 
one would be just the software category and and this is yeah i mentioned earlier those that are um yeah it's it's, it's usually um a reduction of the full color spectrum and so you end up having this this sort of color trade-off in this in this case yeah um the other group would be like computer eyewear is, is available yeah. today or like filtering glasses is another whole other category um where we continue to and, and i think some, some of the reasons behind this is we just got into this from, from the get-go, um, figuring out how to build it into the displays or fix the problem at the source. And that's, that is our solution is we we're going to go about just changing the device itself. And, and that space for us has been uh, one where we're seeing a unique fit mm. for our intellectual property to what the device manufacturers need to solve the problem effectively. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. It's it's quite funny. So whilst we've been speaking, I've just been gradually creeping down the brightness of my laptop screen because just I've become <laughs> yeah. so aware of how bright it is burning the back of my retina. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I've yeah. not yet turned on dark mode because I don't like the way it, it changes my calendar. So yeah, oh, I, yeah. I've had to leave it on bright white retina burning mode. Um, but I've now become aware of how horrendous that is for the back of my eyes. Yeah. It's amazing, um, James. When I think like you, you're seeing this intersection of, or yeah, I mean, really the intersection of digital light with our waking hours. And I and like if you look at yeah. the trend line of, you know, how much time we're oh, awake to our screen time. Yeah, we're seeing. You know, if you could sort of project that into the future, and you look at, you know, what could be, uh, you know, sort of a light source projected right to our eye or um, yeah. certainly virtual reality headsets, you know, this is, you know, a issue that's going to continue to become, uh, you know, very important because of how devices and, you know, future technology. Yeah. And our usage of them, dude, I caught a glance of my screen time on my phone the other day and <laughs> I was horrified. I honestly yeah. could not believe it in, in, a, in a really sincere way. I could not believe the number that, yeah. that I was looking at. And because I'd been out all day, I, I'd been right. seemingly commuting, going to meetings, uh, coming home and thought, why is my battery so low? This is ludicrous. And then you just realize you've been on your phone for like five hours and I've only been outside for like eight. <laughs> this is, yeah. this is, is ridiculous. It, isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? And, and you know, it opens up a great, a great sort of a, a public discussion that, you know, we, we are starting to engage in more, which is, uh, you know, can can we effectively change as a population in reducing our screen time or is it just a given that screen time is a part of the future and you know, we need to be you know accounting for that <laughs> yeah it's, or, it's funny you say that because I, of the of the uh, five i was on my phone the other three i was probably looking at my laptop so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. and then when i go to bed it's i've got my laptop playing netflix and then i'm on my phone looking at instagram right. or something oh, yeah. so i'm doubling up yeah um yeah i i can see i can see the issues and i can see how the the requirement for your technology is certainly there uh, yeah, I, I can only see the demand rising and rising, to be honest. And I think for anybody listening, um, I encourage you to have a have a little look at the screen time on your iPhone <laughs> and uh, make sure you're sitting down because I'm sure it's a lot, lot, lot longer than you think. Cool. Justin, I've really enjoyed this. Uh, yet again, I've learned a lot this week from you. And yeah, I just want to say that from the, the, the way we close out these podcasts is... I hand back over to you to kind of summarize a little bit about yourself, a little bit about the company and the problem you're solving and your solution. And yeah, close us out with any asks that you've got of our audience. So over to you. No, that's, that's great. I, I, you know, I think, um, as, I, as I mentioned, this issue of, of screen time is one that's going to only be continuing to uh, come to uh, public light in terms of what's in, how it's impacting our, our human health, especially uh, for children. And so I, I say the first thing is just be aware of how much time you're on devices and um, look for those solutions, uh, which can effectively uh, make that for a safer uh, experience. And uh, I would just be cognizant, especially of the uh, blue light intake uh, over, over time. Um, know that devices will be changing from how they are emitting light today. And that change is going to come very quickly. And I think you're going to start to see 
more and more on this issue from most government. You know, you're certainly seeing it in, in press, uh, but there's going to be active steps which the consumer electronics industry is taking uh, to integrate health into consumer electronics. Um, you know, it's going to happen very quickly, and um, I think that's a really positive thing. You, you're also going to see health payers, which are going to start building this into coverage, and we think that's really important for you know certainly enterprise and and consumers and you know, then you know, steps like what's happening with the state of California, we're fully anticipating this is gonna happen you know, in a very quick way throughout the rest of the US and then internationally and set off a whole stage of events, which creates for uh, an environment for, for change. So um, yeah, as, you know, as I mentioned earlier, um, a, a wild ride for those that are listening that are you know, at the beginning of the mountain, uh, just, my, my urge is to follow that passion, uh, think like the Kool-Aid man and, you know, just look that to that next step in front of you, you know, keep following the string and, and keep going. You know, it's, um, it's a very difficult, uh, a difficult chain of events to undertake. And so you just make sure to surround yourself with a, a mentorship group and um, advisors, which can help guide you in the track. You know, you need to have a, let's say Sherpas and so, mm -hmm consider those that um, you know have gone about it, uh, the path potentially in the industry which you're you're looking at and, and look at smart ways to compensate these advisors or mentors to get them actively involved in your business and I, I think where we've found a great deal of success is, is doing that through sort of options or looking at ways that you can be smart about incentivizing and driving that passion out of people amazing and can you just summarize a little bit about what you're up to with Healthy, just for anybody that might be interested in looking it up or getting in touch? Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so I, I would recommend uh, going to isafe.com if you're interested in learning more about blue light or electronic manufacturers, steps that are being taken around industry standards, where things are going with, with the industry. Um, and then you know, the new news, certainly from the state of California. So isafe.com is going to be the best place. If you're interested in getting uh, solutions, uh, Dell has uh, iSafe products that are coming to market. Uh, they are the first device manufacturer, and they actually have an exclusive on iSafe. Through the beginning of next year, you're going to see additional display solutions to follow that. And then uh, if you're interested in a filter, you can go to Zag or Zag.com and get a iSafe you know, phone, tablet, uh, computer monitor filter there as well. Awesome. And if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, you, have, you can email me just justin at health-e, which is our website. Uh, you can also uh, contact us through the website uh, as well. But I, you know, I, I'm happy to help if I can to those that are listening and some of the things I just talked about. It's a, it's a tough journey. And so um, happy to help if I can. Awesome. What a great offer. Justin, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, yeah, likewise. Thank you, James. Hey, everybody, and thanks for listening to this week's episode and making it all the way to the end. If you enjoyed it, remember to subscribe, rate us, and leave a review. And you can head to the description of this episode to follow us on all of our socials so you don't miss out on any of the latest health tech content.